Okay, mono mix is on. Volume seems all right. Excellent. Good to go. I'm changing tact this week with my intro and my outro because Rachel Boot has kindly requested that I try and do longer monologue rather than all the little bits that I've been doing because, well, I've been learning the trade as I go along. Um, so, change of tact. I'm doing this one whilst I fairly desperately need a wee. Hmm, bit of an overshare perhaps, perhaps. But this is a podcast that's all about making. So I'm sharing how it's been made. And this week on In The Making, I'm joined by the most hands-on of makers of all the makers thus far, carpenter Ross Walker. Now, like me, Ross initially trained as a fine artist, but has also gone on a fairly windy journey in his working and, indeed, his personal life, which has included a decent spell of time in Berlin, where he went to see if he could make it as a full-time artist. Spoiler alert, he decided he couldn't, or more, didn't want to. Although, I've just told you that he's a carpenter, so it's not really a spoiler, is it? Along with his now-wife, Rachel, producer of this very podcast, he also set up Bonvoke Studios here in Margate, which has come up a number of times in the first series, and indeed is where I'm sitting recording this right now. We chatted about the reasoning and continued ethos behind the space, as well as jumping in with two feet and the merits of learning new skills, not least whilst working with nice people who know more than you do. Well, there we go. Not a bad first attempt at keeping it longer, so there's less edits for Rachel there. Although I've just done this bit as a short bit, so that probably doesn't really help. Anyway, on with the podcast. Mm. So what number's this now? You must be quite um, quite polished. Well, this is this is technically... Well, interesting. This is record number six. Yeah. I don't think you're going to go out sixth. Because I'm already starting to think about the... Uh, number one. The... the <laughs> I know it's number one. <laughs> no, your wife's beat you to that, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, yeah. she bagged number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, you'll be either... F- no, don't tell me Don't tell me what order I'll be in. Okay, well, no, I haven't decided yet anyway. playing in my mind. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not like a hierarchy. <laughs> no, it does feel like, yeah, you, you put the good one I'm first. I'm thinking about it in terms of how they flow and fit together. Because I'm becoming a serious podcaster, Ross. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. why not? Why well, not? exactly. I might as well, you know, decide that I'm going to do it properly and believe in myself, otherwise why do it? Exactly. Why waste your time? Yeah, my, my precious time. Yeah. yeah. And actually, may I, may I begin by saying thank you very much for... Um, for, for dressing up for the occasion. <laughs> You're wearing what I know is your, your Sunday best lederhosen. Is it a pair, <laughs> yeah. is it a pair of lederhosen? Or it's it... a pair, but yeah. with no crotch, which makes it special. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, Do they have crotches anyway, maybe? Maybe they don't. Uh, I'm no expert. I mean, you, given that you've got a pair, I would be yeah, asking no, you. They, well, this one doesn't have a crotch, no. and, but I think they're meant to have crotches. Yeah. So this one doesn't have a crotch. It's just a special quirk for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, cool. you, I mean, you have to dig around on the internet, but you can find them, definitely. Yeah, no. No, good. Yeah. Um, so you didn't make them yourself? You didn't DIY no, it? No, 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 no. No, no. Just, oh, okay. no, no you, can find, you can find them. Yeah. Have a look. Um, I <laughs> assume you're wearing them. This is an amazing segue that's about to occur here. I yeah. assume you're wearing them because uh, of your time spent in Germany. Berlin, yes. to be specific. In Berlin, yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, you cool guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
in Berlin for four, four and a half years or so. Yeah, four and a half years. And, I mean, aside from the fact that you're a cool guy... Yeah. Why? Because I, I don't actually... We know each other pretty well now, but yeah. I don't really know why you were there or what you did. Yeah, well, what I did is a... Is a <laughs> I don't know either, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I had a lot of fun. Um, I went there in a residency to start with, um, and then... I, I decided already I was going to go there because I'd gone to uni and came out, come out of uni. I did fine art at uni, mm-hmm. and I sort of came out of uni just complete. And I was at university. I was completely baffled by what it was I was doing anyway. And I came out of uni even more sort of baffled. And classic, moved- classic fine art training. <laughs> <I'd say. laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I mean, I, even after the first year, I, was, I remember going home and, think, and just saying, like, I don't know, I don't know what this is about, and what, <laughs> what am I meant to be doing? And it feels so useless. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Right from the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So then I went to London, and I went to London and sort of thought that I thought I had to have uh, I had to have a job that would allow me to be in the studio like all the time. Mm-hmm. So obviously, then I got bar work and I sort of work for like events companies and stuff yeah yeah so that in the evening and then studio in the day and then just existing on no money pretty much the same as now but like like properly no money but after a while of being in London and like sort of having so little money that it, like the city just sort of didn't make any sense yeah. really I couldn't really do any like I was living with really lovely men who had sort of like were a little bit more successful had a little bit more money mm-hmm. they're they're playwrights are you know wonderful men but but seeing them experience London was completely different yeah. to how I was experiencing yeah, yeah, yeah. I had so a bit they of were like sort of hey, and about you know they could they could buy lunch yeah, <coughs> yeah, I couldn't yeah. buy, buy my lunch no, so even know. that even that kind of romanticized <coughs> view of the struggling artist is yeah, it's diluted when when you've got the comparison you of other do people it. doing yeah. pretty well yeah I mean that's all bullshit anyway isn't it but like <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah yeah so, so I was doing that and you get in like you obviously fall into things so I was doing more of like the the other bar work and stuff and not mm-hmm. really when I was getting to the studio I was knackered and it was mm-hmm. a little bit of shit and I didn't have any money so yeah I just suddenly I sort of had a kind of small epiphany of like well this could go on for years mm-hmm. I want to find a place where I could go and have no money and work in the studio and just work out if I could actually do that mm. sort of life if I could be an, be an artist who was in the studio mm. and make work if I had the sort of mental capacity yeah. or any ideas, you know. Yeah, yeah, but the yeah. only way of doing that was to go to a place where I could spend, yeah. like, full, you know, full weeks in the studio without leaving. And like so the only, the only parameters there then, the only thing that would hold you back then was you. Yeah. 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 That's that's probably, that was brave, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the next problem. <laughs> but, yeah, it was like, it was like, well, I've got to go somewhere, I've got to be in it. And I've got to work out if I can do this and I have any reason to do this. Yeah. So I went there. Yeah, I went there and I did a classic. In retrospect, it sounds like one of those stories that people tell when they lived in New York in the 80s or something. Mm. Like, <laughs> I got, I've got in with these guys who had like a, like a big sort of warehouse sort of loft, essentially, yeah. in, in Neukölln, um, which they had taken on before and divided up. There's like these seven or eight quite loopy French guys who are really nice. They're quite um, quite wild. So they took on this thing, they chopped it up, and they and so I went to see them, and some of them were living there, and they, I said, I needed a studio. 
And, I, and they had a student, I said, I can't afford this and to live somewhere, so can I live here? And they're like, well, in a sort of French way, like, <laughs> sure. yeah, it's okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. And then they sort of, I don't know, as a group or whatever, they imploded and they sort of left or went and went and did something wild and bohemian somewhere else. So then I sort of took it over as a, as a, mm. I just took the, the lease on from the landlord. Just you on your own? Well, just, well me and then other, obviously other people oh, were in there. Other, yeah. but, I, but then I, then I ended up being the only one who lived there. So, like, loads of people kind of had their either studio or, like, the main middle bit was, like, architects who had, you know, normal people. <laughs> You're just the guy brushing his teeth in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a shower in there and stuff, and I just sort of wander through there. Did they know that you lived there? Yeah, or did, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. fine. fine. It was very accepting. It was <laughs> yeah. really, like, in hindsight, it was very weird, like... <laughs> And we had a play, what, we also had a the guy Fred who who was one of the original French guys. He had built a drum room. We just had an like there's an extra little room mm-hmm. that he decided. I came back one day. Well, one day I came back and he was building like a synthesizer. And the next day I came back and he was building a drum room. Like, <laughs> All right, Fred. And it's just like, <laughs> He's just like putting these like lorry tires on the floor and building this room. It's wow. like sort of dead airless room that you could drum in. Hopefully you know. not too close to your, your makeshift bedroom. No, it's the other end of the floor. Yeah, it's good. So we had stuff like that. It was So we had that and then you, there's sort of like a weird little shower next to your rhino and yeah, and then people, yeah, when I was there, then people were just mm-hmm. working there. Yeah. And I was and what, sleeping. As well, aside from sleeping mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and being the slightly strange guy that hung about a lot. Really what, strange, What yeah. were you actually, what work were you doing at that juncture? What were you making? Well, I was making what I used to make with sort of fairly conventional paintings, um, usually about, I was really interested in kind of architectural space and mm-hmm. architectural design and interior design and stuff and how particular sort of corporate design Mm. makes you feel or is intended to make you feel or mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff so that yeah that was my that was the sort of particular field i was plowing yeah 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 <laughs> all the while whilst in a very sort of particular sounding interior that you're living in as well yeah but i mean it's pretty it fucking brilliant it was just like <laughs> it was really it was just like stone floors massive windows it's like mm. proper like you know, if you could draw a sort of Berlin yeah. apartment loft See, that, or like a New York that loft, does sound like a romanticized version of, of artists. It is, yeah. It was, it was mad. It was, it was mad. It was, it was like um, we came back. Well, Rachel and I got together um, while I was over there. We came back one time to the studio, and there was a little sort of little vestibule thing you go into first. You go right to my studio, and I had a little sort of antechamber outside where my paintings were. And we walked around the corner and my paintings were suddenly in this sort of like wigwam type. Mm. I'd been leaned up in this weird thing. I looked at it for a sec and then as we were looking at it, this guy like crawled out <laughs> <laughs> inside it. I thought I that's like, where it might be going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are you doing? It's my paintings. <laughs> He's like, oh. Like the guy next door is called James, who was his mate and this guy was visiting. He's like... Oh, sorry, man. I thought they were James's. <laughs> I'm super sorry. <laughs> uh, did yeah. you sort of put them together, sort of panel to panel, thinking that they created a much larger architectural space? Was that his thing? Had he? Yeah. I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, I mean, in hindsight, like, 
if it was, if he did think it, he must have thought very little of his mate if he'd have done that, you know, <laughs> to his paintings. Like, well, was, yeah, true. It was the day as well. Yeah. He just come yeah, in and yeah, made yeah. like a house out of these paintings. He's made a den. Made a den. He was a grown man. Sounds quite nice. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, to be honest, I was really indignant. But then, you know, what? <laughs> yeah. I didn't make a den that day, and he did. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot to be learned from that. Yeah. And actually, then, I mean, that's sort of linked to to where you're at now in terms of making. I know we're jumping here, but yeah, um, we can jump around. Um, yeah, that's fine. Uh, so, so now, I mean, I don't want to apply a label to you, but I believe a label that you might use for yourself would be carpenter. Yeah, I was thinking about this before because I thought you'd probably ask that, and I'm. There was a there was a time about four, four, three years ago I wasn't happy with that mm. sort of label. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to introduce myself, and I a couple of times I got pissy with Rach actually sort of introducing me as like oh, Rossi's a carpenter. And I was a bit yeah. like, I'm not that, you know, that's not me <laughs> or whatever. I don't still call me that. But I really like it now. Yeah, yeah, I'm a carpenter definitely. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's good. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Because I've, I've I've worked with people and know people who get really them um, mimsy about like, no, I'm a joiner. Or mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a cabinet maker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think there's this, there's a sort of um, kind of straightforwardness to carpenter. Most people know what you mean. You make things out of wood, and that is essentially what I make things out of is wood. Yeah. So that's fine. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, it's, it, it lacks the frills, I suppose. Of, yeah. Uh, and the seriousness, maybe, of uh, of of joiner or cabinet maker all, all i mean i think there's a training thing there you know like universities i've taught up friends i've had who've gone and done furniture making courses yeah i suppose it is a slightly different ball game and actually that that does kind of lead me to another another sort of question i suppose which we we have talked about in the past because we do often work together but um around that thing about training because that was going to be another question mm. really as to you know it, where does that discomfort come from in terms of, of, or where did it come from, I should say, in terms of not enjoying that label? Was it from the fine art thing? Or is there a little bit of like, well, it's not necessarily my my actual training? Or, mm. you know, is there something in, in, in that? Yeah, it could be. I don't think it's, a, it's not the fine art thing because I sort of, I, yeah, I, I always kind of distrusted that whole thing anyway. So I wasn't, it's not like I sort of saw myself as an artist never have really so it wasn't like oh, I'm, that's too lowbrow for me it was more there might have been stuff about being kind of mostly self-taught that mm-hmm. kind of that I'm sure we'll get on to but a sort of imposter syndrome of like well I can't call myself that because I'm not really that mm-hmm. I think uh, this is a justification there because probably at that point I wasn't doing as much of it so like it was probably felt mm. difficult mm-hmm. I was probably at that point I did a little I briefly dipped my toe in the uh in the world of art tech work mm-hmm. I didn't really like that water <laughs> uh so yeah so maybe that was it it was like oh, I was doing a bit of I, I was making on the side and you know doing little private jobs and stuff and so probably didn't feel like I could sort of just justify mm. it but I think now I think the more you do it and then the more you see other people who call themselves a certain thing and how they do it, you think, now nah, I'm fine. I'll be all yeah, right. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, interesting. And that's sort of partly why I asked. It was yeah. maybe quite a loaded question, really, because, yeah, I've struggled with various labels and now I'm kind of happy to, to utilise a few different ones, I suppose. Yeah. Um, based on based on that, really, based on that feeling of that I've, I've kind of done enough. <laughs> I'm experienced yeah. enough in those things. Yeah. But certainly that kind of making, which I... 
do do with you from time to time. There's still elements of that that I, it, I don't feel quite confident enough to sort of fully, st- you know, yeah. I wouldn't call myself a carpenter. Yeah. So was there a was there a sort of turning point then? Was was there a I don't know was there a moment of thinking or a certain job or type of thing that you did that that got you there? No, I don't think so. I think it just stopped being a problem. I think it, mm-hmm. there might have been. I, I just probably didn't notice it. Mm. I think definitely in the last year, year and a half, I've there suddenly has something that's clicked in where I do feel more confident in in it. Mm. So maybe it's maybe it's happened then. Mm-hmm. There's something about the hierarchy of those terms in terms of like carpenter, joiner, mm-hmm. cabinet maker, furniture maker. I don't know. Carpenter just feels like the most um, functional one, mm-hmm. and functional is something I quite like. So, well, that's interesting that you come to that because I made a note when you when you used the word um, useless to describe <laughs> art earlier, mm. and you know we're both from yeah. So there's some similarities in our background in terms of both fine art trained but yeah. and, and both dabbled in 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 that world tried to do the sort of having a practice thing maybe figured out that wasn't the thing yeah both move towards things that are maybe a bit more functional mm. that feel a bit more useful yeah um but how sort of conscious are you of that well i was very conscious of that because going back to what i was saying about the first year of that fine art degree I, that my crisis was it, it felt useless what I was doing I, mm. I was very aware that I was too young to sort of have an idea mm-hmm. worth anything and it felt like we were just mucking about mm-hmm. really with no real idea <laughs> yeah. everyone felt like I was just just fucking about and and then going going forward to the Berlin thing I have a complicated relationship with sort of art and and sort of creativity as as a as a thing because I sort of believe in the idea of time spent doing something that is makes no sense i believe mm-hmm. in the idea of that mm-hmm. and i believe in the right for people to do that yeah. very strongly mm-hmm. but me personally mm-hmm. i struggle with the with that drift i struggle with like trying to pin something down like trying to i don't know if you found it was the same thing but like there was like incredible highs when i was in the studio of mm. like what i've just done there that move i've just made makes makes total sense that is incredible you Mm -hmm. know i feel Mm -hmm. euphoric yeah yeah but that all that once you sort of look at it in the cold light of day well one if you look at what you've done in the cold light of day it's Mm -hmm. rubbish the next day but but like um what you're doing is you have you have like um an internal set of standards Mm -hmm. that you cannot articulate unless unless you're a conceptual artist that has a, a, a concept that you're that you want to articulate and you and it's that's kind of more mechanical i think yeah whereas with with sort of maybe bits of painting sculpture sort of when it's about the sort of form and things that are a little bit more wispy and in the air i found you had an internal set of standards that you couldn't articulate so when something went well you knew it was good yeah you couldn't say why right and so living in that world where i couldn't say what what was good or not but i kind of knew it was and is are we talking here in regards to sort of aesthetics in or yeah yeah yeah, or, yeah, yeah. well well my awe was going to be or i got the sense there that maybe you were also talking about the mental state that sort of state of flow through creativity oh. where you lose yourself in the process and then suddenly realize that and that, that and that and you get that feeling that's slightly sort of euphoric yeah i suppose for me it wasn't ever because i find that state happens 
more in the workshop if it's if there's sort of a menial task or something that I doesn't require sort of the mm. the conscious part of the brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was so going to be my next question. There's things <laughs> yeah. happening and it's you know and I feel that kind of oh okay time's flying and it feels nice or whatever. But that thing I was talking about before I think is maybe it has come from a process and maybe there is a flow state there or whatever. But I think it's more just that it's a point of realization to me of like, oh, okay, this thing has reached a point that my internal set of standards say is correct, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what those internal set of standards are. Right, I see, yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I can kind of talk about them. I was like interested in sort of things that were kind of awkward and sort of bad design, bad design in air quotes, or like mass design that ends up in a lot of sort of rental Mm -hmm. properties, particular laminates and, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. particular patterns and stuff like this and, and, and how they were used and... So there was stuff I knew I was interested in, but then there was something sort of intangible about like what was a successful painting or painted object. Mm-hmm. And the idea of always chasing that and not being able to name it was like, after a while, was quite frightening. Mm, yeah, the way you've described it does sound excruciating, I must admit. <laughs> I think other people obviously, obviously you work in, within the sort of visual arts and don't work like that, but mm. that's that some people do. Or a lot of people do, I think. You know, mm-hmm. they have that in, innate sense of when something's right. You are now good at what you're doing. I will mm. very much say that. Um, we've just built a big, massive wall for mm. the Tannic We have. We've built a big, massive we, wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, you, you, on, you on the lead, thankfully. Mm. Um, and that's a prime example of you taking a very, uh, I think, a very pragmatic approach mm. to, to how that making, how that build it was is going to happen and i i think i can see that now in every in all the work that you do like mm. in all that sort of build work i can see that sense there's a pride to it i suppose it sounds like and i hope i'm right in saying this that that's not that, that's not something that you've sort of deliberately engineered what it sounds like what you're saying is, is that something that comes quite naturally in terms of your thinking processes you mean to do, do something well, no. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, when you put it that simply, it sort of sounds like that's what everybody should do. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, but as, I mean you, as you say, they don't, so... No, yeah. no, and I feel like there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a deeper kind of ethical awareness to, yeah. to how you work, and, yeah. and with it, then, a very pragmatic, very considered um, way in which you will make furniture or you'll figure out how to build a big wall and then execute it to a level of perfection. I guess what I'm saying is, is that, I, I mean, I couldn't do... I wouldn't have the headspace I don't think you, to I don't, do I don't, I don't think that's true at all. I think you could. No, I just wouldn't I think, want to. No. <laughs> I think it's something I, it's something I learnt, um, definitely. Well, first of all, I, I when I first started working, I worked with my mate Marcus, who's a fantastic artist. Well, and she showed me a lovely painting by yeah. his fireplace. So, he, so we worked together in galleries a bit. Well, he got me a job in working in a gallery... He'd always known far more than me about most things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started working with him, and he had he just had very high standards. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not like mad high, not like, you know, that can't possibly go there, let's tear it all down, but just like every job was, we're going to do this really, really well. That sounds really stupid, but... <laughs> well, it's, it's funny when you say it out yeah. loud. It does sound so painfully obvious, yeah. but most people, I'm sure listening even, will have probably had some let's say trade person come mm. and do some work of some kind that involves making fixing mm. particularly when it comes to your home and decoration that maybe won't have had the best experience no and maybe we'll find that it's there's not a lot of care yeah being taken yeah it is it, it's still 
despite how many I see and how many I sort of work with or, or, or next to or whatever, like that still completely baffles me mm-hmm. how how you can do something. Um, you know, like I'm not I'm not sort of hand chiseling dovetail joint all that <laughs> shit like yeah. rubbish at absolutely rubbish at. But like the the basics of of making something for somebody's hard earned because like most of the, it's most of the time it's like it's a ton of money that I can't I couldn't pay <laughs> I yeah, couldn't yeah, pay yeah. for anyone to yeah. do it in my house <laughs> yeah. So, like, this is a lot of people's money and, like, they're basically, you know, the transaction is they're paying you for certainty and they're paying you because the transaction is you know what you're doing and more than they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have to have to deliver that because they paid you to do it. It is enjoyable to deliver something that is just basically good, you know, okay. and, you know, to just care, I think. Yeah. Does seem to be something that's 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 slightly lost in that un, unregulated world, as you as you say. I'm I'm knowing you as I do. I'm I'm going to say there's something in you. There was something in you already, but you said there that you you moved in this direction working with your friend Marcus. Yeah, which uh, is a phrase that my granddad taught me when he um, he left the navy. He was working on radar, and then I think I think he went to become a locksmith. Oh yeah, and then he and then he ended up in electronics. So in one of those transitions, I remember the phrase stood out really clearly he used to use but he was very junior didn't know any of the sort of hand making skills so he'd sit and watch the senior guy which which was called being nelly (laughs) (laughs) i really don't know why i should look it up maybe i will and add that in present tense jim here now the actual phrase that my granddad told me is sitting with nelly nelly being the experienced worker with the trainee sitting by their side merely observing it's pretty frowned upon now. It's basically not used anymore because it's not very active and you can pick up bad habits. But I think there is a lot to be said from the idea of being mindful, being aware, taking note and learning from other people who are more skilled than you. To find out that's an awful slur. <laughs> yeah, well, it could be. It could be, and that'd be really sad because I've... I have thought in the past working with you and, and lots of others, actually. A, a good friend of mine, Russell, who I work with on, on, on quite a lot of build jobs in London, similar kind of vibe to, to what you're saying with Marcus yeah. and similar to what I think we've shared and I've certainly found working on jobs with you is that I've, I've felt like I'm being Nelly. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot, there is, hopefully that's positive yeah, all exactly. round. But it, it, is, it is positive in that if you, I think, if you can, if you can have that mindset without letting you use the phrase earlier imposter syndrome seeping mm. maybe too much or at all mm. you can glean so much from from other people particularly actually and i i think i've got quite good at this he's <laughs> asking all the stupid questions no stupid questions you have to ask stupid questions like absolutely have to ask stupid questions this the, the the thing with going back to marcus like the thing that was good for me then was that i i'd never used a drill before my 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 dad wasn't practical we didn't Mm. have any sort of tools in the house Mm. at all so even throughout um art college i hadn't picked up a drill wow yeah never really that does surprise me because i I grew up with that because my dad was and my granddad who nelly um, he wasn't called nelly Nelly. (laughs) Colin. um but yeah very much had that really yeah and our school had that yeah yeah well i guess we has i mean i probably put together some stretches or whatever but Mm. Um, I can I can build anything, but it was always like it was always a problem for me. Like it was always like uh, something that was nagging away. I, and, and 
and th- and I think this is what drives a lot of what I do is like I don't want to not know. I don't want to interesting, yeah, <clears throat> be yeah. the person who does not be the person, doesn't it? But I don't want to think feel like anything is out of my reach, as it were. Like like if there's a build thing or something with the house or whatever, like I don't want to give in to that feeling of oh this is for someone else to do mm. like it's it's obviously weird there's some weird psychological sort of pride things in there somewhere well I, it, yeah i i guess that can work both ways i know i have in the past and, and, and still at times do probably because i wear many different hats and i'm doing lots of different things so mm. I'll, I'll be sort of not flitting between but changing between different work different jobs different mindsets different different skills i'll, I'll still definitely sometimes find that like oh i don't think i can figure that out often yeah. often now it's to do with time but i have had to check the mindset i and, still and, have it and yeah okay oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah every single job i still have it yeah but like yeah, just the drivers. I guess the other drivers stronger mm-hmm. to, to not mm-hmm. to not 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 do it. Yeah, but yeah, I still yeah. have that all the time. But the reason I brought it up with Marcus was I, it was good. It was a, a good point because I went to him. Like I knew I hated doing what I was doing, like the bar work or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I sort of was un, kind of unhappy in my life essentially. And I want. I knew I wanted to do practical things, and I felt like a, yeah, I want to you know not be not the person, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, f- from that, I was very open. I was very like, I know nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. tell me. And I think he reacted very well to that. He was he was very like... I remember him telling Rach years later, he was he said, oh, it's, it was amazing to work with Ross because he was just a sponge. He was just like... <laughs> yeah. He was just Nelly. And he didn't send you off to go and buy bubbles for yeah, spirit levels? Yeah, no. Or left-handed screwdrivers? No, he'd be oh. too arch he sounds like a, He sounds like a nice guy. Easier. He was, yeah, <laughs> everyone should have a Marcus. No, he was very, very good. And um, so, yeah, it was... I would just so happen to be in that state where I was very open to hearing absolute... I knew nothing. What's mm. that? What's that? How would you do that? Yeah, yeah. What's that drill? Where's that going? Like, how how do you do this? And he was very... I guess it could go... Because I can be quite thin-skinned, so if I was doing that on a building site mm. and not with a mm. fellow fine art yeah, graduate... Yeah, but, but they would have sent you off for, uh, yeah, for bubbles exactly. for spirit levels. So. I'd be a very different person. <laughs> but the um, yeah. problem is, the more you know, the more your ego starts getting in, mm. involved. Mm-hmm. I know that. Yeah. And it happened to me. Like, I got in a little bit more and I started getting naughty with him, like... I know that. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's very <laughs> yeah. hard to still keep that open yeah. learning mind. It's very, mm. very hard. Well, I'm glad you, you've segued perfectly for me there. Because really I, good at because this. You, yeah, well, between us. Yeah. Um, but that well, one was definitely you. But I want to talk about um, uh, your, your more recent, well, your current learning. I mean, let's face it, you're learning all the time. We all are. But yeah. you have that learning mind that you mentioned there. You have actually consciously chosen to sign up to a new course, and one that I think probably not a lot of people will have heard of yeah. um, over at CAT. I'm going to look at my notes. Yeah, yeah, The CAT. Centre for Alternative Technology. Centre for Alternative Technology. Over yeah, in Wales. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tell me more, because I know a bit about it, because what, yeah. what, what you've told me, but I, I, I'd always like to know more, because it sounds right in my street. Yeah. It's a really interesting place, and I think, you know, this, it's, this, this podcast being a podcast about makers, I think the people who are going to be listening to it can get a lot of people who are in that world. Mm. Like, um, yeah, it's a place in North Wales. Um, 
I sort of, I've sort of, when people have asked about it, I've told this story, and, I, and then, and then I, I sort of think maybe I've made that up. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. So <laughs> the, it was, I think, I believe the seventies that these guys, um, it's sort of tempted to call them <clears throat> hippies or whatever, alternative people, mm-hmm. took over this um, s- sort of spoil heap, like a mining spoil heap, slag mm-hmm. heap. Um, and I don't know whether they, I think they just, I think maybe they squatted it or they bought it. It, it was like they just turned up and they, with the reason that they were going to like prototype and test alternative um, energy generation things mm-hmm. and alternative yeah. house yeah, yeah, yeah. things, you know, just because they were just, they just wanted to try. Um, so they did that for a while and that was, that was going for decades and decades. And then that's a, that's a, yeah, I don't really know the full story. But anyway, now today it's a fully established thing where um, it kind of has a sort of visitor centre and stuff. And mm-hmm. ba- basically, basically the whole MO was like building buildings sustainably and researching materials and finding out, you know, how things work and how things could work better and obviously more sustainably greener. Mm-hmm. So they had, I think, t- a couple of them, I think, had some... At some sort of affiliation with Walter Siegel, who had his the Siegel House thing, the the, the kind of democratic self-build house design, mm-hmm. and so they've got one of those on site there that I I think he maybe they built it themselves or he was in, he was involved and visited and stuff. So mm-hmm. they have these sort of prototype houses on site which they built, you know, through over the years, and you mm-hmm. can go in and have a look and and see how they're insulated and yeah yeah yeah. So there's a practical um, sort of aptitude to it. It's actually yeah. it's, it's putting what what would start as concepts ideas into actual practice yeah. into reality to show to show what's a, possible an alternative way of of making building. yeah we, yeah what whatever's on site would have been alternative at the time, but now it seems yes you know really really basic yeah yeah um so like the site is kind of like a kind of sculpture park museum of Mm -hmm. like past ideas yeah yeah yeah. but then i don't know when the when the kind of university bit was built on the same site they they actually built like a kind of proper not campus it's a small place but it's like a a modern building and that's all designed sustainably with fantastic sort of Mm reed filtering things yeah. Yeah. and all all the all the good stuff um and then so they started doing ma's so i'm doing an msc in in green building mm-hmm. uh master science which definitely triggers my um <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like ba <coughs> fine art and now yeah. you don't like msc well for two different reasons <laughs> ba being in fine art I, f- I was fucking bored and msc i'm i'm massively intimidated <laughs> Drowning in knowledge. Drowning. Fucking, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I mean, that's interesting because naturally one of my questions there was going to be um, what what hopes you have for, well, for, for, for this experience, but then where you might take it, I suppose. I don't know. Or is it too early to say? The impulse to do it came from doing this house and realising I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing, like... Mm-hmm. Okay, I had the feeling that, you know, everyone thinks you should insulate, so you insulate and do you do it with this? Dunno. Yeah. Like do you put <laughs> yeah. it in there? Not sure. <laughs> like I think that feels right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which which when you when you expand that out, zoom out, that's yeah. how most that's you know. And that's that well that is that's the crux. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, this yeah. this like knowledge on how to do it properly. Mm. 
but also just in terms of like material availability if most people particularly from a diy capacity are mm. working on their own homes or, or whatever building they might own or are working on a lot of the time they'll they'll use the stuff that's the most easy to get hold of and really yeah. available which generally probably won't be the most sustainable no it won't be it won't be um yeah and I don't know, I've yet to get to the part where they tell you about how that's solved. Mm. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, it's, it's... Do you think that'll be like on the last day? <laughs> yeah, I'll shout it as you're leaving. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we forgot. <laughs> we forgot we that. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it is scary. I mean, you know, we, we, we could get into that. We're not going to get into that because I don't know what this is about. But like the need to retrofit one home every five minutes or something at the moment mm. like that's how much we need to do now in this country to mm. get to a, even near yeah, don't, please don't give me any more of those stats yeah. i feel like i'm somebody that reads up on this stuff a bit but that was too much for me yeah it's <laughs> incredible it is incredible um but going back to it yeah it was just it was the it was the fact i was doing stuff to hear that i had a feeling i was probably doing wrong and i wanted to know why mm-hmm. again it's that like i don't i don't like sort of not knowing yeah and it's just that really so I sort of got with a lot of things. I I do take I do tend to take kind of leaps with, with kind of half thought. So like then <laughs> this I, is Berlin all over yeah, again, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> so I landed and I landed in it. That was it. I, I applied and they very politely sent me. They said, "We see we don't have a background in science." So <laughs> I just get it, and um, we're very interested about people coming from a fine art background. But just going to send you this coursework over. Just it is very sciencey. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'm sure it's. I'm sure those are good papers, right? <laughs> I'm just aiming for like, I'm aiming for a pass here. Um, uh, yeah, it is really science. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think really... you're passing yet or not? It... Oh, no, I have, I'm still passing. Oh, yeah, good yeah, yeah. Good I've done, I've done yeah. maybe four modules now and I passed yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Which is well, um, it's all you hope for. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it really is. It's all I've hoped for. I have no, I have no academic um, aspirations mm-hmm. at all. I think it's more just to just to find out the nuts and bolts. You could argue that like you could learn these things. You could do a goodwill hunting essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and learn it all from from the books and not pay the money but like just being in that scenario and and having people sort of explain these things through and yeah. it's invaluable there's definitely stuff from from cat that 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 are going to be fed into bv and mm-hmm. so yeah well you bring it around there. i was i was going to mention one votes because it's, mm. it's it's been mentioned in the pod and i will say so have you Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You might not want to listen to those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, fair just, enough. just listen to yours. I mean, then... a lot of people need to vent. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's the if that's the only one they're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you are uh, you've been mentioned because you you and Rachel um, mm. were the, I mean the instigators. I think I'm. It's, it's, yep. it's not not too grandiose to say, but yep. the instigators who have now kind of got people together to continue in. The pursuit of a of a studio, I nearly said complex, but I think that yeah. would be a bit too uh, yeah, trendy. Yeah. yeah, but studio set of studio spaces here yeah. in Margate. Yeah, um, and that I've always felt. I mean, particularly because of the name, that mix of of German and French. Mm. I've always assumed there was some of your learnings from Berlin. It being such a sort of artist and artist studio city that maybe that was where the spark for that idea came from but i could be wrong there your face suggested I yeah am. no i think the well the bonvox thing was just because we couldn't think of a name 
like we wanted it to be about like um we wanted to be overt in saying this is about people um not just taking on a space but being involved and having a community and being active mm. but we couldn't find anything that didn't sound shit yeah so like it's better if you if you sort of put some foreign words together it <laughs> yeah, makes yeah. it sound so really good, smart good people yeah good if people. you just called it good people like you just I, I mean i wouldn't have joined no exactly <laughs> yes yeah, just way too into it when I that you wouldn't have got in the, through the door <laughs> no, true no this is um, true yeah. but i mean more that more, uh, um, again i could be projecting onto it here but that yeah. that berlin linkage has always been in my mind maybe in, in a quite romanticized way of like you came yeah. back from berlin artist studios and we're like yeah margaret's the place we're gonna set up we're gonna do the same not really no no i mean i think from running that was the first time like i'm running it wasn't running anything but like i had the lease on that one in mm-hmm. berlin so i guess i was kind of managing it yeah um it was more from my experience of like rachel's rachel's awesome in this sense of like this is nagging away at me for a while and i wanted to do it while we're in we were in Walthamstow so for a couple of years after berlin and i was sort of looking at doing it there and it, um it just wouldn't work mm-hmm so basically, it came from my experience more in London, actually, of just like being in these places, like like thinking about studio buildings as this architectural space where people have these rooms where they do sort of fantastical or things that can't be commodified and, you know, you know great potential, yet the nature of of sort of creative work most of the time is very self-involved and doesn't necessarily always lend itself to sort of communal action or communal care Mm -hmm. so every every studio building i'd ever been in was a disgrace it was like Mm. it was built you know like built poorly you know crappy plasterboard walls and you know just like a real lack of care because the the feeling was always like artists were had to be the you know, the, the building that no one else wants is the, all that yeah, romanticism yeah. of like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like a crap building, but there's artists in and all that rubbish. And it's like, well, I always had that feeling of like, well, you know, it doesn't really have to be that way. And you're sort of selling yourself short. And and also it sort of self-perpetuates this feeling of like, well, if it's a crap building, it's built crap and I have to pay all this money, then I'm not going to look after yeah, a yeah. communal space or a space I walk through mm-hmm. because, you know, fuck it, I'm... I'm close the door and that's me. Which so. is which is sort of sad, sadly inadvertently, not not good for anybody in in the sense that it, you know there's a there's a lot to be said for taking time and care in this in whatever spaces you operate. In. Yeah. Often for people that is their workspace, not mm. necessarily out of choice, but you know. So if you don't care about that space, it's probably going to inadvertently reflect somewhere internally. Yeah. You know, within and also yourself. externally, community-wise as well. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think these things are all linked. Like, mm-hmm. I'd like to think that if sort of people came through Bombbox and, and thought, you know, I was re- it was a bit annoying that they kept hammering on about everyone being involved or whatever. Or, but yeah, maybe that. Maybe it's just it, it takes effort, and mm-hmm. you know, we find ourselves in a situation where taking, you know, anything that takes effort is you're excused not doing it generally mm. i think yeah. you know like, yeah but then that's where the good the good stuff good stuff takes effort yeah, doesn't it the good I things agree. in life tend to, to need a bit of work yeah certainly for them to sustain and certainly for them to progress mm. i think um yeah. and and it's and it's gradual but i do feel that certainly from when you started it i think i've been there for five or six years now mm. but the past few years we've we've 
well, you in particular, but as a team, we've put work in hmm. to start to really improve the, the infrastructure, the fabric of the building, yeah. which creates a better feel, which creates a better atmosphere, which creates more of a collegiate hmm. kind of environment. And people want to be there. Yes. And also, I think there's a lot to be said for people who are in the organisation, yourself, my, you know, me, mm-hmm. having done that work. Mm-hmm. So the, someone who knows is upstairs in the office knows that we... Did yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think yeah. there's a lot to be said for that. It's not just the builders that came in and, and oh, now we have a nice tea, whatever. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like they saw us doing that, and we are members, and yeah, and you yeah, and yeah. I could walk through a space yeah, that well, we have changed. It's a really, it's a lovely feeling. Yeah, mm. I've been lucky to have that on a few things, you know, homes and but other other sort of projects before where that I, and you don't often get that as no. a, as a designer, as an architect, as a builder. You do tend to sort of at some Go point close leave. the door and yeah. And it's a memory then. Maybe you take some photos, but mm. um, and yeah, it does feel it does continue to feel fulfilling in, mm. in that respect. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. I mean, the, the most exciting thing I find about that building is the the potential when you walk in that we can sort of change change architectural space. You could mm. say and change like mm. that sort of chance conversation we had when we we're going to do the project space, mm. and was that the wall was still there, and it was, oh, I was trying to work out how far and you sort of walked through and said, "We well, just wanted to get rid of that wall." It's like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck, that's right, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You get rid of the wall. It's going to cost so much more money. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like yeah. that, that conversation, so it's such a privilege. Like it's mm. such an incredible privilege to just to have your have your space and just knock it about and yeah. do whatever you like, and, it's, and then make it nice and make studios nice and not have studios be shit. Yeah, they don't need to be shit. We've just been lulled into that. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a feeling like I described why. I wanted to do it, but I still think with the with the best things, you don't really know why you're doing them, and maybe it will take you sort of a few years afterwards to realise, oh, that's mm-hmm. why I was doing it. So there is, it's. I think it's still an experiment in like how you, like how you put across an ethos, how you have people buy into it, whether they should buy into it, whether that ethos is right, mm-hmm. like you have a feeling it's right, mm-hmm. but like I'm always very keen to have it interrogated, so. Like and it yeah and how do you impose that without it being sort of artificial like hey we're all gonna have you know let's all be a gang you know let's <laughs> yeah. all be a gang together let's yeah. all be mates yeah yeah so that yeah. doesn't work but like <laughs> possibly more it's about putting in place uh, feeling within a and it's all about architectural space it's all about building I think it's like mm. how how something is built. Re- reflects what the organization feels about the individual um if you set up the place to feel open and nice and whatever and comfortable and you set up systems which sort of nudge people to be involved in the in this sort of in the running of things and that sort of sets up a scenario where people feel like it's not just a service provider relationship and they're actually them they might be able to change things and i guess that's yeah. how you do it i don't know yeah i mean there's a recipient reciprocal element to that hopefully there's i think that well i I definitely think there is from from my experience but setting that up within the parameters feels like it makes sort of perfect sense really because Mm. it it, it at least invites the opportunity it at least invites people to 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 choose to be within that or not and some people have been and gone yeah some people have stayed more will come you know but, but that as that as the sort of um the bedrock i suppose yeah. It, it allows for that opportunity. I think so. I hope so. I, but also, you have to be. You have to be. 
um, really aware of the fact that the basic fact that people want space to make work. So you yeah. have to sort of allow that to happen as well. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I remember showing someone around once, um, and it's before, like a long time before I got the pattern right about like about what it was about and stuff. And I was really hammering home that you had to do it because we had these you know chores you do mm-hmm. every month or so where we clean something. <clears throat> I was really hammering that home, and she got really quite a little bit like taken aback and then she said like i don't think i have time for this like i need to (laughs) i need to make work i was like no no i think i'm over egging it in in your head it's like (laughs) you've got to come here on a tuesday clean the whole building clean the windows and then maybe maybe (laughs) you can do a painting that's it Ah, nothing wrong with a mindfully executed chore or two to keep you nice and grounded I'm sure you'll have gathered from that conversation that Ross Walker is indeed a very grounded and practical man. But I'm inspired by his ability to go with his gut and then figure out if it works or fits for him once he's tried something new. And knowing him as I do, I'm also so impressed in discovering that his hands-on making wasn't part of his upbringing or specific training because he is an accuracy machine, like a woodworking calculator only with arms and a drill. I thought what you said about taking on this new MA was also really interesting and now having just started teaching on one recently myself was thinking that those kinds of higher, higher education programmes and courses aren't necessarily about making you cleverer or smarter but really they're all about finding a dedication for yourself and your chosen field and discovering more of a focus from it. And, you know, as with the studios here themselves, there's a lot to be said for gradual improvement. Good and rewarding things come of it, which the community spirit within Bombokes is a testament to. So I'd like to offer my thanks to Ross, not only for his time in coming on the podcast and being so open about his working life so far, but also for his using of all of those experiences to set up the studios that I utilise and love, and in addition, for being my Nelly because on more than one occasion I've worked alongside, watched and asked many questions of Ross when making and building things. And he's always been very patient and open and kind in offering his insights, which I think is testament to just how far he's come, because there was a time when he didn't even know how to use a drill. And extended thanks to Rachel for her part in setting up the studio, and of course for the amazing work she's been doing on the pod. So, until next week, and a chat with the maker of another variety, take care. I'll see you soon.